On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, Jess talked about Google Ads adding the ability to show on YouTube search. Greg talked about Facebook merging messaging apps. And OMG, Jess is actually up to date on something in pop culture. And Greg put influencers in European dungeons. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on February 1st, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows live on YouTube each and every Friday, or you can consume us via your favorite podcasting player. As always, follow along with us in our show notes. Just head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And so what's in the news today, Jess? Well, first up, we have an announcement that's hot out of SMX West this week. So this is like the freshest of fresh news. Pay attention. <laughs> Listen closely. Google text ads can now show on YouTube search results, too. That's the headline. They put the word two in there, which is why I read it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you are serving your text ads via the search partners network, YouTube is now a part of that. So and, and that makes sense, right? It that does. should be a search partner. Yeah. So that, that, that this is great. Great news. Great news. I think it's awesome. And uh, text ads may appear again in the YouTube search results pages when users are searching for keywords relevant to your campaign. That makes a lot of sense, but again, just to highlight that it works the same as search would if you're using the search partners elsewhere. One thing to note, though, with this is that it's only on mobile, not on desktop. That's weird. It is. Why is it mobile only? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, they didn't say either in the article. I don't know if maybe at, at SMX they talked about it a little bit as to why or if desktop is even coming. I don't know, but that does seem a little bit odd. I feel like if I'm watching videos on my phone, I'm probably less apt to click on an ad than I would be on a computer, but that's just me. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, the other thing too with this is that it's just the ad itself that's going to show the like any ad extensions that you have loaded in are not currently supported. Again, maybe coming, they didn't really say, but I would assume they'd want, you know, ads to do well and they put all the information in there. So totally. Um, well, I like the thought of this, but I hate the execution of this. <laughs> this is terrible. You know, seems lazy or quick. The fact that th there's two things that, that really annoy me. One, that it is your actual search ad and it's going out on only mobile. Mm -hmm. That That's just strange in, in general. And then you don't have the ability to show any of those extensions or anything like that. And the bigger thing is that you have to put this as a, as a search partner. So you it's, for the folks out there that don't know exactly how Google Ads works, you can have just Google or you can have Google Plus search partners. And to me, and within the Google Ads platform, you can do specific YouTube bidding mm -hmm. for display. Why wouldn't you make this something that you could say, I want YouTube and search partners? YouTube really shouldn't be a search partner because it's a Google property. And then what you would be able, I mean, because Google has control of it, right? Mm -hmm. And then why wouldn't you be able to build out like better ad units down the road for YouTube search? And then you'd be able to control things better. So I don't understand why they're just lumping it in with search partners. But my guess is that for many people out there that have been using search partners for a while, this may really skew some stuff, mm -hmm. um, especially if you've got B2C terms in there. 
Yeah. I You raise an excellent point, too, because they did say in the article that early tests with this showed that the YouTube search result ads performed comparably to Google search results. So that's great. But I, I personally do not use the search partners for anything because that's not the case in my experience. So adding this into the mix is something that's going to perform really well. I'm not going to turn search partners on just so I can be on YouTube. I know, like you said, some people might see a positive swing if they're already using search partners, but I, why go backwards? Jess, I don't know if you know this or not. YouTube, the second largest search engine. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time Google told me that. Mm. No, I, I'm with you. It, it's totally different intent. It really, it, it doesn't make sense. It makes sense that you could purchase this, but mm-hmm. to, to lump it in as a search partner is mind boggling to me. Yeah. And it is going to stunt the innovation of what could be really beneficial, especially if you are um, trying to advertise your YouTube channel or some other podcast or something even. You know, there'd be a, a really big opportunity here, and I, th- I feel like it's going to be missed due to the limitations. Yeah. Maybe, right. maybe they'll expand that later on. Maybe this is just the start of something. They'll good. expand those text ads. <laughs> hey. All right. Next up. This is from the New York Times, and the title is Zuckerberg Plans to Integrate WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook Messenger from Mike Isaac. And according to the Times, Zuck wants to conjoin WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook Messenger into one. The services will continue to operate as standalone apps, but their underlying technical infrastructure will be unified, said four people involved in the effort. And here's a quote from the Times. With a goal of completion by the end of this year or early 2020, it requires thousands of Facebook employees to reconfigure how WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook Messenger function at their most basic levels, said people involved in the effort, who spoke on the condition of anonymity because the matter is confidential. (laughs) Hey, four (laughs) people who are talking to the Times. It's confidential. <laughs> I, but I think we've learned that nothing at Facebook is confidential. Touche. <laughs> Touche. So. But that's just so strange. That you're like, oh, yeah, we just got four people over there, and they're just going to speak anonymously because, oh, it's confidential. No. Hey, guys, I hope you feel good about yourselves, you bunch of leakers. Anyway. <laughs> Ow, shots fired. Yes. I'm, I'm coming in hot today. So uh, Mark Zuckerberg also wanted the apps to be uh, to incorporate end-to-end encryption. Um, for, now he's interested in privacy, which is great. Hello. <laughs> and um, again, everything should be protected against everything. And it sounds like a really big undertaking, but you know, again, good news on the messaging side. Maybe if you use a lot of different platforms and want it to be easier. Maybe or or not, because they. Uh, here's a quote from the article too that I thought was interesting. The integration plans. The integration plan raises privacy questions, of course, that wasn't a part of the quote, because of how users' data may be shared between services. WhatsApp requires a phone number when users sign up. By contrast, Facebook and Facebook Messenger make you provide your real identity. And, you know, Instagram, This I'm going off the quote now, but Instagram, you could be anything, right? You can have a Finsta account and use yeah. the Messenger. So there's a lot of different pieces here at play. And I think that as much as they claim that they care about privacy now, Maybe this isn't funny and we should stop joking about it, but this could be a, a heck show. Yeah, you hook people. your Finsta account up to your burner phone and, and, and you're all set. Just get a Google voice number and, and mix them all together. Yeah, and all of a sudden, because by way of the Facebook Messenger app, I know exactly who you really are. Yep. I don't know. People Except can get into trouble. I, I got a feeling one of those four folks is going to gonna rat you out and expose your real identity. Ouch. Those poor four folks. I hope they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Next up, Google announced this week that they are going to be focusing more on the new version of Search Console and in turn sunsetting more features from the old version, which they've kind of already been doing, but this was a major announcement. Changes are coming at the end of March, so you got about two months at this point. Features being impacted on the old version are the crawl errors report, the old sitemap report, HTML suggestions, blocked resources, and several more. So if you want to read up, if you're using the old Search Console and you want to read up on this, check the show notes. And those are going away. So it's not like you're going to be able to find these anymore. Everybody's going to be ported over to the new Search Console. And these are no longer going to be in existence. Yep. Exactly. But don't worry, like with sitemaps and things, there's a version in the new search console. That's not going away. It's just the old one. And uh, with the phase out of those features, Google also announced that they're going to be working on, they're making room for improvements in the new version. So they've got enhancements to their structured data dashboard with aggregated and type-specific reports, which I thought was really cool. So structured data, whether it's a recipe versus a Q&A, there's going to be ways that you can look at that data isolated, but also aggregated if you want. They're simplifying user management. They're going to have an easier and more helpful URL inspection tool and all kinds of other great stuff. So they're putting it out there right now. If you're not already using the new version, it's a good time to switch because you're going to start really losing stuff that's kind of key at this point. Yeah. And one thing that I always love is they try to get people to to really adopt things fully, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they don't give basic functions. Like, you really need to be able to add users in the new Search Console. Yes. And now that's coming in? Yeah. Like, that might be like step, step A. Um, there's also a few other things that they have decided to move over to the new Search Console. Again, very important things. Um, and they've added a security issues section, and that includes anything uh, that you get an error from social engineering, malware infections, cross-site malware warnings, or hacked uh, content types. So they're really pushing everything as fast as they can over this new Search Console. So just like you said, um, you know, they are get using it quick because that's going to be your only option here here soon. And, and it also seems like they're scrambling to get the important stuff in there because ah, they forgot it the first time around. Oh, so. you know, total afterthought. <laughs> Better late than never. Mm-hmm. All right. And that brings us to this week's lightning round. Pew, 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 pew. All right, Jess, what's first in the lightning round? <laughs> All right. First up from MediaPost.com. Apple devices account for the majority of Google clicks. This is data from Q4 of 2018. This is the first time that Apple has taken over as the majority. Uh, 51% of all clicks, I should note, on Google search ads specifically. Um, There's a whole, so I guess the point of that is don't be ignoring iOS users in your advertising efforts because they're using the Google. And there's a whole bunch of other great stats in here. There's stuff about shopping and trends on, you know, Amazon-sponsored products and things like that. It's a great article. Um, too much for us to really report on in the lightning round, so check it out. Yeah, and the information came from Merkel. Merkel had done that report, mm-hmm. and you can get the entire report for free. There's, to, to Jess's point, a ton of awesome information in there. And the one thing that I loved is, well, I didn't, I don't love it because <laughs> I hate it, <laughs> but it's the fact that the average cost per click for a Google search ad on a company's own brand name rose from 18% year over year in the fourth quarter of 2018. And then they're like, yeah, down about 30% of what it was two quarters earlier. It just keeps going up, though. Yeah. Like, you just keep having to pay for your own name. We get in these dumb arguments with clients all the time about, you know, about brand names and, and why, why in many cases it's, it's required. But um, there is that in there as well. And then another bunch of great information about just the overall growth and paid search spending up 16%. So check that out. It's You can get it via media post and we'll have a link in the show notes right over to the Merkle report. And that brings us to the next news from the Wall Street Journal. Some marketers are moving away from dated gender targeting, a study shows. 
a firm called Kantar, analyzed more than 18,000 ads across six marketing categories in 40 countries between 2010 and 2018. Seems like a long time period. That's a long time. Things have changed eight. drastically That's in those like eight years. That's like a dog years. year, yeah. right? That's crazy. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's like four internet years. <laughs> um, and brand, brands are testing within baby products, laundry products, household cleaner categories. And they in those categories, there was like 98% of those ads were targeted towards women. And on the other side, when they looked at who motor oil companies were targeting, it was only 29% women. And you can see there's a cool little chart in the story that shows that more men are being targeted by household cleaners and more women are being targeted by by vehicles. And again, this is something I think that is kind of like a no-brainer. It's good to see. Test <laughs> and see what works. Um, but don't get too crazy. Like if you are out there slinging jock straps or tampons or something, you probably got a good confidence level that <laughs> you can go after one specific gender there. Um, but it, it does make sense. Like, hey, everybody's getting involved with purchasing decisions now. Mm-hmm. Don't just stick to one thing because it's worked uh, 10 years ago or eight years ago. Uh, you know, be flexible. Yeah. And I thought that this was a really interesting look too because it spoke to the greater advertising world and you know in digital we have data all kinds of data on demographics I disagree you do I think that I think that traditional advertising is not greater than digital advertising I I just meant greater like larger I know what you meant (laughs) (laughs) like whoa 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 whoa. no we are greater and that this is why right we have data (laughs) confirmed that's a fact thank you so yeah I mean we and again you've got to test everything just to get that data so we're kind of used to this in the digital world but I mean, we know who's converting, or at least we have ways to find out. And, and it's really, really interesting that they have to think a little bit harder, whereas we just get this information fed to us. So pays to be a data nerd. It does. That. Okay. Next up. The article is titled, Continuing Our Work to Improve Recommendations on YouTube. This is from YouTube's blog. They said they want to make sure that they're suggesting videos that people actually want to watch, which you know, sounds good. It's a good motivation to me. Yeah. <laughs> better videos. Better. Right? Great. Going to stay on the platform longer if they're getting videos that they want. So um, why do they need to work on their recommendations? They gave an example, which is probably my favorite sentence in 2019 so far. I know it's early in the year, but people told us they were getting too many similar recommendations, like seeing endless cookie videos after watching just one recipe for snickerdoodles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, do you like snickerdoodle? I don't know what a snickerdoodle is. You do. You've had it. It's like a sugar cookie with oh, like cinnamon. Oh, is that the one with like cinnamon? Yeah. Okay. They're it's okay. The best. Oh, they're It's not the best. They're, I mean, peanut butter's better, but they're, they're delicious. And okay. if I watch a video on that, send me all the rest of the cookie videos. I'm fine with that. But really, this is great. They're broadening the topics they're going to pull from to give you personalized recommendations. And they're also working to flag borderline inappropriate content. They're not going to get rid of it. They're just going to kind of take it out of recommendations. So they're not like, sup, you want to watch a moon landing conspiracy video after that cookie recipe? I sure do. (laughs) (laughs) My recommendations would be different from yours, I guess. But I don't know. It's good. They're trying to improve the user experience, which is great for marketers, obviously, because if people are staying on the platform longer, they might actually watch our ads. And it's important to note that you can't get rid of the recommendations anymore. Back in the day, and I I forget exactly when it flipped, you used to be able to cancel recommendations from anything that you embedded in your own site, and you cannot do that any longer. Mm -hmm. And so these recommendations, it's something that's been um, a burden for marketers where you have these hosted YouTube ads, you click on the recommendations, you're off to YouTube, and you never come back to the site again. So this is just a different point that I'm tangenting off on. It's but fair, it, though. It, yeah, if, if you don't like these recommendations on your own site, 
don't use YouTube. Check out something like Wistia or, or something like that that is, you know, not tethered to these recommendations. Sage advice. Okay, next up, verification for election advertising in the European Union. And this comes from Google. And Google is making it so that any ads that feature a political party or current elected office holder or candidate for the EU parliament will need to be verified. That they must have a proof of identity, information about where they're based, and they need to confirm that they're a citizen of the European Union member country. And they're legally permitted to run these ads. So they're getting out in front of it this year. And hopefully we'll know exactly who each of these ads, who's behind each of these political ads. Love it. Love transparency. And speaking of, charting a course for an oversight board for content decisions. Oh, boy. (laughs) Can you guess who this is from? Hmm. Um, Facebook. Yes. And you probably knew that because, you know, you prepped for the show and all. But (laughs) I think even if you didn't. So this article opens up kind of like a bedtime story. It starts with, in November, Mark Zuckerberg wrote about his vision for how content should be governed and enforced on Facebook. He laid out a plan for a new way for people to appeal to content decisions to an independent body. Today, we're sharing the draft charter, giving more detail about its potential makeup. Sounds very lovely. Sounds like they're really caring about things. They're thinking about thinking about the right way to do things these days. If you want to read up on the full details, be my guest, but we're you know here to help you at Marketing Clock, and we read this for you. It's kind of a long, boring article, so the TLDR is that Facebook is putting together a bunch of workshops in some cities around the world to discuss how this should be done. The people involved in this workshop, these workshops are hand-picked groups of experts that they work with frequently. Their words, not mine. Yeah, and they'll consult this board and figure out what content is suitable and what content isn't suitable. And that's yeah. that's the gist of it. And, and I like that aspect of it where it's not just them making it. They're kind of like washing their hands from it. Like, oh, we took this this right or left or up or down wing blogger and we took this down. It's, it's not going to be them making that decision. It's going to be the board making that decision. Yeah. So I like that aspect of it. The other thing is it's sad that we need full-time. There's full-time staffing that's mm-hmm. needed to see what stays up and comes down. Yeah. And what a job that is. Can you believe that? They're like, well, we've got a report here. <laughs> Mr. Alex Jones here uh, is talking about the Illuminati again, and we cannot corroborate what he's saying. We don't know. Board, what do you say about this? That's somebody's job. Yeah. I mean, creating jobs, right? Facebook's out there doing good for the world. That's <laughs> crazy. I don't know. It, the whole thing was very romantic and fluffy, and, and in light of some of the other stuff that we've talked about this weekend and are, have yet to still talk about, this is, you know whatever. But I guess it's a good thing in and of itself. Yes. Next up, TikTok is quietly testing ads. And this comes from Digiday. And less than six months into its launch, TikTok has introduced an ad unit. And this launched on January 26. And it was a short form video, or sorry, the short form video app combined with the Musical.ly, and I believe Musical.ly bought TikTok um, in August. And now there is an app install ad and the first advertiser was Grubhub. So if you're one of those singy song people that like using TikTok, uh, you may start seeing some ads there. And I know that Musical.ly was shopping it according to Digiday back in June of 2018. And so now those ads are coming to TikTok. I like to think that TikTok, because it's a music app, was named after the Kesha song. Which one is that? <laughs> Isn't it just called TikTok? I don't know. Can you sing it for me? I, uh, no. <laughs> I've sung on this show before, and it was a horrid. But Kesha fans out there, shout out. Anyway, that's all I could think of when I read this. So it's even spelled the same. Is that the one where they, she says Timber? 
Uh, no, that's the, that's a different one. Oh, I don't know okay. what that one's called either. Probably Big Kesha different. fan over here. Yeah, I mean, I love her music. I don't have her discography memorized. <laughs> she's fun. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first, folks. Kesha is Kesha fun. Kesha is fun. Ke dollar sign huh. Okay. Google adds voice input and spoken results to mobile web search. If you're on an Android device, you may have noticed a mic icon has been added to the search box on Google.com. So now when you use that feature, not only can you speak to your phone to get your Google results, but they're coming back to you in audio. You're not going to get just the, quote, silent results showing up on your screen. Your assistant's going to read it back to you. And that's sweet. That's important to know. If you're out there (laughs) and you're somehow speaking into your Google browser (laughs) on a regular basis and you're talking about some sort of ailment that you have, Mm. guess what? Google's going to start clapping back with those results Uh and those answers for Uh you. So you might have done this before. You could still do it before by hitting the microphone button, but now it's actually going to be right there and you're going to hear those results come back. So you're going to get that assistant-like experience. Yes. So be careful out there, guys. All right, next up, Google AMP errors were widely reported by webmaster and publishers. It was Google AMP error errors is what it should really be because there was a bunch of these messages that were sent inadvertently. Uh, John Mueller over at Google had confirmed that it was a Google issue on their end, and it has been resolved. So if you hop in, you will not see those errors any, no, any longer, and there's nothing that webmasters need to do. So if you got those AMP errors, I got a bunch of them. I don't know if you did or not. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I looked, and I was like, it doesn't seem right. And eh, it wasn't right. Sometimes you actually know what you're talking about, huh? Yeah, (laughs) on a rare occasion. Even if Google says otherwise. Okay, next up. Quote, it's only getting better. Buyers are shifting budgets to LinkedIn. So this is another article from Digiday, and uh, people are, advertisers are moving their budgets away from things like Facebook and Twitter in favor of using LinkedIn. And if you listen to our show regularly, you know they've had a lot of great, they've made a lot of great strides lately with new things like interest targeting and other options in the platform. So people are really digging that, and they're moving budgets towards LinkedIn because it's going to be quite powerful soon if it you know not already but they also announced in this article or not in this article but they announced recently that they're working on lookalike audience functionality which is awesome if you use you know facebook for example you know what a lookalike audience is so it's going to help advertisers find users similar to their company's existing customers which i think is great for something linkedin like linkedin so you go you and Cure are winning 2019 i think and there's one part of the article i took umbridge to and it was Yes. Under the bridge. Yeah. And it was from uh, Betsy Hinbin. And she said that despite the the product's improvement, buyers say LinkedIn ads can be quite expensive. And I think it was Betsy that said that. (laughs) But expensive is a relative term. Just because the price is high doesn't mean that something is expensive. And LinkedIn's prices are high. But what would you rather have an eight cent video view on really targeted LinkedIn or a one cent view on Twitter's garbage targeting video ads or what would you rather have a one cent um video view on google on a mobile apps outstream ad like it doesn't mean that because it the price is high that it is expensive so all you people that read this article and be like well it's too expensive for me no it is not the famous person named warren buffett you might have heard of him has said price is what you pay value is what you get that's and so just nice. take that away from there that LinkedIn has value even if the prices are high. Don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up, Facebook plans new products as Instagram stories hit 500 million users a day. 
This is up from the last quarter where they reported 400 million users a day for Instagram stories. And uh, there are now 2 million advertisers that are now buying stories ads across Facebook properties. My guess, only about 1 million of those <laughs> really know they're buying them. Because if you choose to be to show everywhere, you're going to show on a story, um, an Instagram story and a Facebook story and audience network and everything else like that. So, um, But stories are doing great and Facebook's looking for new products. But the big thing is, you know, half billion people are using uh, uh, stories. That's wild. That's so many people. That probably includes some of our parents now at this point. As oh, boy. that number grows. There's only so many Facebook users to tap into. Oh, you knew this day was coming. We've been talking about this for probably a year now. Google Plus is going away, and they're actually going to begin deleting photos, pages, comments, and more as of April 2nd. So not everyone's going to lose their stuff right on April 2nd. It could take months, but if you did upload a ton of stuff to your Google Plus that you hold dear and you, for some reason, don't have it anywhere else, go and get it now. Back it up. Get your photos, because once it's gone, it's gone. Um, and as of February, people will not be able to create new Google Plus profiles, pages, communities, or events. So that's like today. If you were planning on doing that with your afternoon, sorry, you cannot. <laughs> yes. And again, this is a great reminder that you should not put all of your eggs in one basket, especially if it is a Google branded <laughs> basket, then definitely don't do that. Okay. And last up this week is an article from Silverthorne Agency. And it is an article specifically based to the EU from Laura Crimmins over at Silverthorne. And it's called Implications of New Influencer Guidelines on Paid Links. And in case you're somebody out there over across the pond, as they say, that is currently buying links, you may now be not only breaking Google's terms of service, but you may be breaking the law. <gasps> as a Competition and Markets Authority, a.k.a. the CMA, released an update to their influencer guidelines and People need to disclose their paid partnerships clearly enough. Laura did a fantastic job breaking down that this could actually include any links that were paid for or and not fully disclosed. So you might actually, if you're buying links to help your search engines rank, you could be hurting yourself with Google and you might be in jail. So I don't know if it's actually jail. I don't know what they have over there. I don't know. In Europe? Yeah. I think they have jail, dungeons. Right? I don't know. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of cool. I feel like if you're an influencer, you could take all kinds of pictures. You can post <laughs> <laughs> them from jail. There you go. From the dungeon. <sighs> I don't know. This whole. I, I understand that this is just in the EU, but this is very reminiscent to me of that whole fire festival debacle that happened a couple years ago. But it's like a hot topic now because of the documentary on Netflix. Have you seen it? I've seen it. Have you seen it? I have. So I cannot believe that you are up to date on some sort of pop culture thing. <laughs> this is the first time that I've known you in six plus years that you're up to date on pop culture. And I had planned in our shoot in the hack segment of going through and having you weed out what was real and fake. We'll still do it really quick. So yeah. if you are a podcast listener at the end of the show, we do shoot in the hack. We don't talk about marketing when we talk about Firefest. That's amazing. I will just to say that Fire Festival, when it happened, was one of my favorite things in the world because I'm kind of mean like that. And I was like, ha all you stupid people with a lot of money. <laughs> Look at this terrible experience that you were silly enough to pay for. And little did you know, they come home and are stars of a documentary and awarded $5 million. So the joke's on I you. I know. Okay. Know. And that brings us to this week's WTH. W. T. H. Okay. This week, we're talking a lot about Facebook, and this is an article from TechCrunch entitled, Facebook Pays Teens to Install VPN, VPN, excuse me, that spies on them. So 
I, I feel like we don't even need to say anything beyond that. That title kind of says it all. But um, here's a quote. Desperate for data on its competitors, Facebook has been secretly paying people to install a Facebook research VPN that lets the company suck in all of a user's phone and web activity. So this isn't speculation either. Facebook actually admitted to TechCrunch that it was doing this. It was trying to gather usage habits on users and they were running this research program to do so. So it's kind of that in and of itself is pretty nasty it was super creepy too they're like here's what you need to do go to amazon also <laughs> go to your order sort by last 30 days and tell me what you bought that's just weird it's creepy it's super creepy and they i mean not only is this creepy and rude because i'm sure people were sending all kinds of information that they probably didn't intend to but this was a violation of apple's terms of service and while they did pay people secretly. It wasn't a secret to the people. So that's one thing to know. People willingly signed up for this and they were awarded a whopping $20 a month in exchange for their data. So Jess, how much is your data worth? I'd like to think more than $20. Give me a number. $40. <laughs> wow. <laughs> double it. Double it. Uh, doubling those teams. I mean, that's crazy. I don't know. I just, I feel like if I'm going to... I don't care, right? I have nothing to hide. People can spy on me if they want to. And I, sure, give me a 20. But like, if if you're going to pay me, that's almost insulting. Like, Make it worth my time to give you all of this information. Yeah. Right? Make make it 40. That's, what, it that's 40. what she says. You know what? 45. Up the ante oh, a little wow. bit. Yeah. But <laughs> Get in now, folks. Price is going up. <laughs> so an Apple spokesperson did confirm that Facebook violated its policies, too. So that's really where this has a... A bigger impact. They blocked Facebook's research app because of it. And here's a quote from them. We designed our enterprise developer program solely for internal distribution of apps within an organization. Facebook has been using their membership to distribute a data collecting app to consumers, which is a clear breach of their agreement with Apple. So that's kind of why we're on fire with this is that Apple took everything down. It also took down some internal apps, right, that Facebook employees were using, I yep. believe. And then I believe also that Apple, and might be just temporarily, did this, but they took down Google apps. I think there was a Google bus app that was like a bus schedule for the Google campus. They took all the, the Google's internal apps down too, <laughs> probably just to make sure that there's no more you know, shenanigans going on. Man, this is, shenanigans is a good word for this. This is a, I don't even know what Facebook is doing anymore, and I don't think they do either. So, <clears throat> WTH. Okay, and now that brings us to this week's cool tool. Cool tool. And this week's cool tool comes from Neil Patel. And the tool is Uber Suggest 3.0. And in case you aren't familiar with Uber Suggest, it allowed you to do some keyword research. And it now is bringing in information from a domain's search traffic. So it is expanding out. And one thing to note is if you are looking at that domain traffic, it does treat subdomains as a separate site, which is kind of cool. So you could look at it domain traffic or subdomain traffic, and you can see lots of cool stuff like top SEO pages. There's a traffic analyzer overview. But the, the big thing is this, this has been around for a while, but it now has domain-driven data. One other thing to note is I would be careful using this tool. Maybe this is one of those incognito mode <laughs> times you use it is there's been some notorious past with some some cooking and, and data issues with some of Neil's tools, mainly with Kissmetrics um, in the past. So maybe throw it in incognito, and if you want to give it a shot, 
check that out. But it is uh, Uber Suggest on neilpatel.com, now having domain data. And that brings us to this week's must-read marketing article of the week, a marketing article too in-depth, too detailed for us to cover on the today's show. And this is an in-depth one. <laughs> this comes from State of Digital by Dan Smolin, and it's called How to Optimize for Searcher Intent, the Complete Guide 2019. Side note, not a big fan of these 2019s, 2018s. It's just you just say the complete guide and then just say updated last 2019. Okay. But what Dan does is he talks about really going past the keyword and looking at searcher intent. And he's got all these great segments within this article about why we need to give up traditional keyword research, about looking and relying on keyword planner data could lead you astray. He's talking about the challenge and opportunity for looking for best terms. He talks about Procter & Gamble's mental models in here, mm -hmm. and it's not about commercial re keywords. It, it's just a great look that sometimes we forget, and it breaks down just the levels of intent. And not everything is about the keyword, and it's really about the people. And I think Dan does a good job kind of grounding us all there. So um, thank you for that, Dan. Yes, thank you. And that does it for today's show. It is now officially not marketing o'clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show on marketingoclock.com and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode coming up. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday shows, we don't talk about marketing, we just... Shoot the heck. Okay. And as Jess talked about, she watched the Fire Festival, so I'm going to give you a few of my fake people I was going to try to mess with you yes. on. Yes. And these are, these are all fake. But there, <laughs> there's some crazy people. One of my favorite real person in that Fire Fest documentary was Keith, the German pilot who oh. learned how to figure out how to fly using Microsoft Flight Simulator. <laughs> Like, who would have thought that's a real thing? But he was also the smartest guy on the island. He's like, guys, we need to have a plan. So get, get the boat. And they're like, you're out of here. <laughs> you're fired you with the brain. Get out. <laughs> poor guy. I liked him, too. But I made a couple of fake people up. I think might have got you. <laughs> One I called J-Dot, a Miami-based promoter that was ordered to leave the fire yacht by way of dinghy when he disagreed with Billy McFarlane on Instagram hashtags. I absolutely would have thought <laughs> that, that was, was true. <laughs> and I saw uh, the documentary, so. Okay, I got a couple me. other good ones I'll do, and then we can do our, our real shit in the heck. Beautiful. Trav, an aspiring entrepreneur that bought a case of planters peanuts and sold tubes to hungry firegoers for $50 a pack when food got scarce. Trav? Is that <laughs> yeah. short for Trav? I don't know. <laughs> I just made it up. It's great. <laughs> it's just Trav. It's great. Okay, so I got a bunch of these. Maybe I'll throw them on, on the site itself. But let's get into our, I guess, our real shoot and hack. And today we're going to do a draft of our least favorite terms, the grossest words out there Ugh. that you, you don't like. So I've got a whole bunch of gross. I don't like a lot of words. I realized when we were doing this. Yeah. So okay. So uh, yeah. Do you want to go? Let's have you go first. Me go. So I pick one. You pick two. Right. Yeah. All right. My number one, all time. I think least favorite word is, and I don't even want to say it. Quiver. 
that's not that bad because that's kind of cool. It's like a quiver of bows, right? Isn't it? Or arrow, quiver of arrows. Well, that I guess is like a nice thing, but like quivering, like to be quivering, the, just okay. the thought of that just skeeves me out to no end. Okay. Well, you know what makes me quiver is when I hear the word, <laughs> my first pick, everybody knows this and knows me, the word treat. <laughs> I hate that word, especially when people extend that T at the end. Treat. Nobody says it like that. <laughs> that's what, it, that's what I hear in my brain every that's time somebody amazing. says the word treat. Oh, that's amazing. You get you get another one, right? Okay, I get yeah. another one. Well, I mean, I got a big list too. Maybe we'll have to do around to after after uh, down the road here. <laughs> another one that I hate, and this is like something most people probably like. Sweets. <laughs> I think you just don't like words that end with T. Sweet? That's an S. Sweets. Oh, sweets, plural. Yes. Oh. Sweets. Sweets. Why don't you like that? It just sounds so gross, especially when you're like, oh, you want some sweets? No, I don't want any sweets. I mean, if he was offering you sweets, like a guy in a white van. <laughs> yeah, you, he offered them to you too? <laughs> I didn't take them. I hate the word. What a treat to have some sweets. Oh, that's gross. Sorry. Um, but those are like words people usually think are good. Yeah. And I say, no, sweets is disgusting. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, you're allowed to have your own opinion. I personally don't find the word moist to be offensive and people do. So I hope that's not on your list. It is not on my list. Good. Um, let's see. This, okay. So this isn't one word. This is a phrase. Can I, can I do a phrase? Sure. Turkey chunks. Turkey chunks? <laughs> Turkey chunks. There was a thing in like elementary school. Oh, yeah. It was on the okay. menu. And I thought that was like a popular phrase. Like, man, it's raining turkey chunks out there or something. <laughs> no. no, but I think it comes up enough. I hear it at least once a year and it still just brings me back to that nasty school lunch. And I just don't. Nothing should come in chunks. Well, some things can come in chunks, like chocolate chunks. I don't know. Not turkey chunks, though. No. Okay. Okay, cool. So my <laughs> next one that I've got, I've got so many. I'm going to go with the word scampy have you ever go to a restaurant and they're like oh you got the the shrimp scampy (laughs) that's disgusting i don't even know what that is i don't know what that is i don't want to know what it is i would never order a scampy i don't like it it makes me grossed out i don't want shrimp scampy but it's probably pretty good too i don't know how is that spelled it just ends in an i right it's like scampy. i just don't like the i don't know how it's spelled it's just just, the word in general i just don't like scampy and it's it's like you had me with shrimp you could have just said you want the Shrimp soup or oh, whatever it is. God, <laughs> that's like turkey chunks. You can't have shrimp soup. Ugh, okay. Um, uh, I'm going to go with vom. 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 That's pretty gross. Yeah. I don't mind vomit. That's fine. But when you shorten it to vom, it makes me quiver and want to vom all my turkey chunks up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. I didn't Sorry. really think about vom. Yeah. I didn't really it's think rough. about that. It's rough. <clears throat> okay. So I've got three so far. Hmm, I've got so many, so many choices here. I'm gonna go with one that my wife told me she was making one day, and I like rolled over laughing because I a I didn't know she could make this. B it wasn't actually what she was making, but she said I made some succotash. (laughs) (laughs) Succotash. That word to me is so gross, and it's food. I just don't like succotash. I think it's some like vegetable soup. She was making like a vegetable medley. Oh. It wasn't like succotash, but anyway, she said that <laughs> word and I couldn't stop saying it. It is gross. It's pretty bad. Suffering succotash. Someone used to say that. Yeah, I think the Elmer Fudd guy. Yeah. 
well, now we know he's talking about <laughs> suffering vegetable medley. Um, all right, what do I? Uh, I'm gonna go for my pick number four, curdled. Oh, I don't like the thought of curdling. I, that's one of those words. What is it? Onomatopoeia, where it sounds like exactly what it what it is. Yeah. Ugh. See, I feel like some of yours, you are biased by the definition of the word, like curdle, curdle, and vom. Like it's a, really gross. Yeah, and turkey chunks. <laughs> and turkey chunks. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) now for my last one. I didn't know if this would still be on the board at this point, but this is one I really hate. Loincloth. (laughs) (laughs) I just hate that word. (laughs) The suspense that you just said, loincloth. My number one, really. Why would that not still be on the board? (laughs) Who's that? Oh you like the word loincloth? I don't like love it. I'm not like writing it on all the walls, but this doesn't bother me. So you're not like a George of the Jungle fan. <laughs> no, I'm not a I'm not a loincloth kind of guy. Oh my god. Uh, okay, so oh. what's your final pick? I don't think I can beat that, but I'm just I'm gonna go with Belch. Belch. Belch is pretty gross. That is pretty gross. Yeah. I also wrote down though. Okay. <laughs> The sound of eating a banana, because it's not a word, but it's something that you hear, and it's just so... <laughs> what kind of bananas are you eating over there? <laughs> All right, so let's let's recap here what we've got. I ended my team with treat, sweets, scampi, succotash, and loincloth. Now, how did your team end up? I've got quiver, turkey chunks, vom curdled belch and on the bench the sound of eating a banana (laughs) all right folks let us know who won by tweeting at us and we'll see you next week goodbye bye